0: Um, so we've been talking about love all summer it's, it's been a very interesting year for me I think that um, God really directed me at the very beginning of the year To take a look at uh, holiness, if you remember um, God's glory and the Holy Spirit and, and who He was and what that meant for us And we spent some time working through that And then uh, kind of very clearly also took me to uh, love I could still I was reading a devotion uh one morning at the during the the quarantine actually when they shut everything down and we were all staying home and it it was started it was about love and I remember thinking uh man I you know I love the idea of love I I really do God's love for us and um so as I was looking into that I just really felt like God said hey I want you to start talking about love and so when do I stop I asked and he said whenever I say um so we're at this place now, where uh, we've been talking about love all summer we're exploring now what love might look like in relation to holiness or righteousness or sanctification, whatever you want to call it uh, we're we're continuing with that today, and as as we we come to the end of the summer and the end of this whole uh, summer of love, we are really focus on this, um, this area of relational holiness. It's, it's based on a book, and I actually left it down here on the table. I'm going to grab it real quick. Uh, I'm going to read a portion to you today. It's based on a book called Relational Holiness, and um, I think that it's, uh, it's a great read, and it's where a lot of my ideas in this series of messages came from. So uh, we understand, as we read in First Peter, that God has called us to be holy. I think that for so many of us, and as we grow in our faith and as we grow in relationship to God, we wonder, what is holiness? What does it mean to be holy? What, what even does that word mean? So today's going to be a lot of teaching, okay? If you can hang on to that with me for a minute. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, uh, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. A lot of talking about being holy there. So, so really, what does that mean? And um, we started to talk two weeks ago about holiness and asked the question, the whole message was about where has holiness gone? Um, there are many holiness denominations you 've heard people talk about holiness, the Church of the Nazarene. Our uh, church is part of a holiness group it 's a holiness church, but we don 't really talk about holiness like we used to the in the church holiness isn 't mentioned like it used to be I, but i don 't think that 's because it 's become less important i don 't think holiness is less important than it ever was. I just wonder if we're driving the message away are are we pushing it away from us so that it's it's um it's just not as important as it was or it doesn't seem as important or maybe we're like the myanmar pygmies if you remember last week that they uh, are choosing to participate in their own extinction their race is going away and they've chosen to participate in that the truth is holiness is as valid an idea as it has ever been the idea that we would take a hard stance against sin is not in vogue anymore. I think that's the problem. We, we, want it, we have to be careful with how we present it. But listen, we are still called to holiness. It is something that God is, has called us to. The word holy means to be devoted to the service of God, to be devout or to be godly. I think somewhere along the way, holiness has taken on different meanings. And so even the word holiness, for some, elicits a response of, of oh, wait a minute. I don't, think, I don't think I want that. So I think that we need to reframe holiness. How is it that we talk about holiness? That we need to speak of holiness in a way that contemporary society might better understand. And I'll go to uh, today's worldview, I believe, is more uh, one of relationships. Than it used to be, and uh, I can give an, an explanation. I, as a youth pastor, um, when I started in youth ministry, I guess I'm, I, I kind of was in a a hybrid uh, youth pastor role, I, and what I mean is, we we started as one type of youth pastor I, would, I did, but then as time went on, I had to change. The the way that I did youth ministry, and when I started, we could have Michael and I have talked about this. We could have I could have a big party. In fact, I had big parties. If you know me, like I want to have a big party, and it's going to be grand, and it's and and we had cars to smash, and we had bands come in to do concerts, and we had like all these great and glorious things. Right? Sounds awesome. And we could get two hundred teens, and they would come, and they'd have a great time, and they'd smash the car, and they'd um, eat. Uh, watermelon until they got sick and they you know like we just had these big and everybody says oh that's great the interesting thing that happened to me though so I was good at that I, like that was fun we're gonna have a blast you know um, all of those things as time went on I found that those big events attracted less people uh, in fact I, I remember the last one that I ever did we had a big party, and we had a band come in, and we had, I had less people come to that party than I would have on a Wednesday night, a youth group. And I thought, okay, something needs to change. And that's when I realized that the world was moving into an area of relationship. It was relational. In fact, I could have a bigger impact on the lives of students by um, having, going and having coffee with some of them. Or um, actually, coffee was not as... Um, popular still isn't among teenagers. Some of them, Gemma is, um, but we would have, uh, we, you know, milkshakes or a, 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 a blizzard or uh, some of them. It was coffee, but we could do that, and and in that area of relationship, really connection began to happen, and and it was like this whole new intimate way of of doing ministry that I had. Uh, I felt like I had discovered, and I learned then that. It feels like the way the world, the way we view each other, the way we view the world, is changing. Everything is more relational than it than it used to be. Um, we all have a greater impact on people than we used to have through social media, through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, we stay connected with people more than we used to, uh, like old high school or college uh, friends and roommates and stuff. you can You can just through a simple message in a different country connect with somebody so the world is turning to more relational and in that frame we need to think differently about how we present holiness because relations that we have in our environment socially or with our family or politically physically natural uh, religious everything they help to shape who we are they don't determine who we are But all of these relationships help shape who we are. Now, if we think about the world more relationally, take that and and think about God in the same way. There is no environment for the Christian in a relational worldview that God is not active and present and a loving agent in every part. There is no part of our lives relationally that God doesn't touch. And it's by God's touch that we become holy. God affects us. And He does in every moment. And that's different from compartmentalizing our lives to this is my work life, this is my social life, this is my family life, this is my married life, which is how society in the United States functioned for so long. But where we're at now things are a little different so let's talk a a little bit about then um core and contributing notions okay i want to talk about contributing notions to holiness so many people have different ideas about what holiness might mean uh the holiness movement we need an interpretive framework if you will a way that we can interpret this that will take the chaos of meanings surrounding the word holiness and bring them into a a heart of understandable holiness something we can understand okay and that's i know that like you're going to have to listen the whole time and then some of the things i've said at the beginning might make better sense as you go through okay i'm trying to stay uh, in the in the path here so in looking at holiness relationally maybe we can begin to understand holiness in a way that integrates all of the different things that we might think about holiness and bring them into one method of understanding one core of holiness rather than everything that contributes to our understanding see if the way i learned what holiness was was by all of the contributing notions all of the outside influences to what it was and it It finally got me to this place where, oh, now I understand it. What I want us to do is to start here with what it is and then go out from there. You remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I told a story. uh, Somebody said, is this about earth, wind, and fire? No, it is not the band Earth, Wind, and Fire, but it is about the early philosophers as they were trying to determine what is the most basic element of uh, the world, right, of of everything around us. And so just quickly to recap, uh, Thales, probably the earliest philosopher, thought of water as the most fundamental element. He said, this is the most fundamental element. Everything has water in it. Well, a little while later, Anaximenes speculated that well it wasn't really water it was air because it seemed that after all air was in water see they're all trying to get to the basic the most basic thing and then Heraclitus came along a little bit later and uh, he said that um, the most basic unit of existence might be something more basic than water or air and that was fire so we have water we have air and now we have fire And that was good for a while, but then some philosophers came along later and they said, wait a minute, maybe it's dirt or dust. Because we came from dust, we're going back to dust. So this philosophical question lingered for a time until a guy named uh, Democritus came along, and he said, wait a minute, I've got something that's even better. It's called an atom. And an atom is what is in earth and wind and fire and water. It's in all of it. And thanks to Democritus, today we still speak about the atom and know it as the most basic element in existence. So you understand then that earth helped contribute to the understanding of the most basic element, and so did fire, and so did water, and so did air, but it came to what was the core of the most basic element, and that was the atom so then let's ask the question what is holiness because that also gets confusing um the pope and the dalai lama are both called his holiness right the quran is called a holy book but what is holiness all right so this is where i want to i want to read you i don't know if you've ever done uh, research or study but uh, in this way it's called a word study And so in the Bible, a lot of times we can do a word study of a particular word and it'll get us to a a, a understanding. So I'm going to read a portion of this book that is a word study on the word sanctify and holy. All right. The author of Hebrews writes, Jesus also suffered outside the city in order to sanctify the people by his own blood. Jesus asks his critics, can you say that the one whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world is blaspheming because I said I am God's son? Paul designates a letter to the church of God that is in Corinth to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And yet he calls these same people infants in Christ who are not ready for solid food. So they were sanctified in Christ, but also infants in Christ. And then um, Peter authored a letter to uh, the exiled Christians who have been chosen by God and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Although sanctified... He instructs them to be holy yourselves in all your conduct, for it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You're understanding? There's so many different words, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more. Uh, later in that same letter, uh, Peter instructs his readers, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. So how in the world do we ever get to the core of what it means to be holy or be sanctified? Through this word study, we find that, The Holy Spirit can sanctify. People should sanctify themselves. God sanctifies Jesus. Jesus sanctifies himself. And Jesus asks God to sanctify disciples. We discover that Jesus needs to be sanctified. Food can be sanctified. People can be sanctified. (laughs) Are you picking it up? Unbelievers can be sanctified. And the church is sanctified. Are you confused yet? Hang with me. In other words... There's a diversity of meanings that the Bible uses for holy, holiness, and sanctification, but in every est- in, in every uh, point, it talks. Those words are used about following rules and ethical codes. Okay, so we're getting into some meat now. Those words are used to talk about being pure and clean, or without blemish. Those words are used to talk about being set apart. Those those words are used to talk about total devotion or complete commitment to God. Those words are used to talk about perfection. Those words are used to talk about love. So the question is then, how do all of these ideas of holiness play together? And that's what we're going to talk about. Okay, so um, I understand and especially if you're watching at home, there's a plethora of things floating out there right now. So let's, let's bring it all together, okay? And by the way, uh, you see, this is the scriptures uh, of the word study. If you want to follow along in today's notes, by the way, they're in the, our app, the Lantana Church app. And they're also in the um, uh, Uversion Bible app. So you can go to the Bible app, follow along today's notes. All of these scriptures are there if you want to dig into those later. So how do all these play together? So let's first talk about holiness as rules or regulations, right? And and this is what I grew up, um, the earliest that I knew of what holiness was, was on this, rules and regulations. And many of us understand holiness as following the rules and regulations. And I think that that's good because it's easy to follow rules. In fact, when my dad was first saved, he didn't even know what it meant to be saved. Uh, he didn't know what it meant to be a Christian. He and I talked about this. He didn't know, he knew nothing. But he did know there was a list of rules. <laughs> and it helped him to, to see the list of rules, to know the list of rules. It helped him to follow that to, and, and begin to understand what it means to be a Christian. Now, I, so I don't want to talk bad about the rules necessarily. There are obviously physical, biblical reasons that exist for understanding holiness as following rules and regulations if you look at leviticus chapter six, uh, 17 to 26 that's often called the holiness code the holiness code it's a list of rules if you follow these things the problem is it's difficult to follow those things man the problem with thinking about holiness as a list of of rules and regulations is that tends to take us towards legalism and legalism kills holiness so remember that. We can, we can think of the rules. They can help us. But don't think of holiness as rules and regulations because as we move towards uh, rules and regulations as, to legalism, it's going to kill holiness. Think of the Pharisees. Apparently they kept all the rules, but Jesus told them this in Matthew 23. For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Jesus seems to be indicating that the law is a means to an end. In other words, the law, doing all of the things, following all the rules and regulations, those are a means to an end. Those are not the end in themselves. We don't become a Christian for those rules. Okay? Also, if we keep all the rules, and those who who do keep all the rules, they find a, a, a... they report they in in surveys they talk about finding a lack of satisfaction. The rules don't satisfy like the Holy Spirit do. That the rules don't bring meaning to our life. So rules and regulation then they're important to holiness. They help us understand holiness, but that's not what holiness is. Well, let's look at holiness as purity. Holiness is purity. Something else that we've heard. Paul writes in Second Corinthians, uh, cleanse he tells the Corinthians to cleanse yourself from every defilement of body and of spirit making holiness perfect in the fear of God to cleanse yourself the idea of being pure is appealing to people most people not my eight-year-old he doesn't care about being clean (laughs) like cleanliness escapes him I think but um, man I can tell it's heavy this morning because you guys are all right. everybody take a deep breath it's gonna be okay we're talking about rules and regulations so they they help us understand holiness but that's not holiness now we're talking about purity the idea of being pure we like the idea of being pure there's something about taking a shower at the end of a long day right you you get hot and you get sweaty and you get dirty and you take a shower and and it just feels good to be clean there's something about also cleansing ourselves from sin Right, we, we have a time of confession in our prayer where we confess to God the ways that we've fallen short. God, I'm so sorry I messed up here. I made this mistake here. Something about releasing the weight of our sin, uh, of allowing ourselves to be washed by His Holy Spirit, to be made pure. We like that. It feels good. A couple of problems with holiness as purity, though. One of those is conceptually, it, it presents a um it points to the worldview issue we we're talking about earlier with with this relational worldview okay people tend to speak about purity in the sense of static ideas what i mean is if you read through the scriptures they they talk about um a cup being pure or sheets being pure or altars etc right it's a thing it's a static it's not moving so it's, it's hard for us then to apply purity in our minds to things that are in motion. Imagine a cat. How many people ever look at a cat and say, oh, that cat is pure? <laughs> Not many people. Most people look at a cat and they say, that cat's like a, a devil cat. <laughs> <coughs> so we we have a hard time seeing things that are in motion as purity okay another problem is that purity emphasizes remaining pure and the focus is becomes solely avoiding sin rather than a relationship with the one who helps us avoid sin if holiness for us becomes only purity then we focus on purity we try to avoid sin we do our best to not sin and then it becomes about that but see, the, the thing is, it needs to be a relationship with the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to be pure. You see, the Holy Spirit makes that possible for us. Okay, so, so we've, we've looked at um, holiness as rules and regulations. They help us understand holiness, but they're not holiness. Purity helps us understand holiness, but it's not holiness. The last one I'm going to address before I get to the core is is set apart, right? Okay, so the Hebrew word kadesh, kadesh, a little more of that, and the Greek word hagios are used by biblical authors to talk about sanctification and being holy. Okay, these words typically mean to be set apart, to set apart. Something is set apart and used for a holy purpose. It's sanctified. Being set apart is a way to describe holiness because we are set apart for God and His work. But the notion can also foster an us-versus-them attitude. Those who are set apart versus those who are not set apart. Those who know God versus those who don't know God. Right? God has not called us into this place to set us against each other In fact, it is only through a holy life relationship that they, the ones that us versus them gets, it's only that they might come into a relationship with God himself. So if we look at it as being set apart, if that's holiness for us, then it sets us in opposition to those who need to be set apart. Does that make sense? So again, to be set apart helps us understand holiness— but is not holiness in itself. All right, so let's get to the core. Let's get to what this whole thing is about, to, to the summer of love. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard, some of you maybe have read some of his stuff, he, he wrote this, I want a truth for which I can live and die. I want a truth for which I can live and die. How many of us are looking for that? A truth that we can live and die for. Without this, what is even the meaning of life? Something that we can live and die for. And so for some people, it becomes family. For some people, it becomes children. For some people, it becomes purity. For some people, you see what I mean? That, that becomes their truth. What I want us to do is to focus our, as Christians, we need to change our entire way of thinking to focus on what the core of holiness is. And then out of that comes this relationship with god what if we looked at love as a way to define holiness you see love uh, provides the very foundation and framework for faith as we're looking for the core notion of holiness shouldn't we look at who god is god makes us holy right god we are set apart for his work he is the one who purifies us so you understand the Holy Spirit who is God is the one who allows us to be holy so it would make sense then that we start with who he is if we want to discover holiness I I, I found this quote and it's, it's beautiful we need to ponder the nature and activity of God how many times have you pondered something a good word even in it to ponder just to just to think on something in our world in our life the way we live we don't get time to ponder very often so we have even this morning we had prayer at the worship team before we started and i said guys everybody take a deep breath and let's think on the holy spirit for just a minute as we enter into this time of prayer of preparation for worship Let's ponder the nature and the activity of God. The most fundamental claim of God, the thing at the very heart of who God is, the the heart of an adequate doctrine of God is found in these three words. God is love. Love is the center of God's being and is the center of what being a Christian is all about. It's all about love. It's what we've been talking about all summer. And for some reason, as we grow in Christ, we begin to to diversify the way we imagine what it, what it means to be a Christian, to be in love with God, to follow the Holy Spirit. And, and we make it like we want to be pure and we want to do it for God. But that becomes the thing that we pursue. We want to be set apart as a holy vessel for god to to partner with us to reach people it's a it's a it's a valid and holy endeavor but we begin to pursue that and not the core john wrote in first john god is love and those who abide in love abide in god and god abides in them very clear uh what the most well-known verse in all of the bible probably john 3:16 starts this way for god so loved the world from genesis to revelation the story of god revolves around love it's all about his love for his people it's all about his love for us in the old testament it was all about his love for the the israelites and he's trying to draw them back to them and to him and he loves them so much and they disappoint him and they break his heart and and he gets uh, they go through a punishment period and then he says guys I I want you back can you just come back and and love me and then finally he gets to to Jesus and the world's a mess and and sin is everywhere and he says man I love you guys so much I'm going to fix this thing once and for all all you have to do is love me back live for me Mark told us in Mark chapter 12 you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? There is no greater commandment, Jesus said, than these. And Paul says in Romans, the one who loves another, (laughs) this is good. The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now imagine if you were hearing that as a Jew for the first time who had 613 Old Testament laws that you had to fulfill and obey. And Paul comes and he says, Hey, there's one way you can fulfill all the law if you love another. You see, I submit to you today then that the core meaning of holiness is love. The thing, the the most basic element, the atom, if you will, for the church is love do we love each other do we love god do we love our community what are we doing to reach people what are we doing to help people what are we doing to we're not pure for purity's sake we're pure for the sake of god's love there's not a list of rules and regulations to follow just for the sake of those rules out of a life and relationship of love with God, those things happen. And I can bring it back in a way that helps me understand and, and keeps me grounded. Cerisa has never one time told me not to cheat on her, it's never, she's never said that. She's never said, Cal, here's the list of rules for you to follow to be my, my husband do the dishes. <laughs> vacuum the floor, don't cheat on me. She's never said that. But I will say that because I love her, and out of that relationship of love comes a desire to not cheat. There comes a desire to do the dishes. Because we're partners in this, right? Don't misunderstand. Not that the dishes are her job. We do this together. There comes a desire to to be a helper with her to to live life with her and it's the same with God out of a relationship with God a a core of love comes a desire to be pure comes a desire to do the things that are right comes a desire to follow Him all the concepts of holiness that we talked about fit neatly into that category as a core if the core is love To be holy is to love God. To love God, to love your neighbors, to love God's creation, including yourself. We are holy as God is holy when we love as God does. That's when when we're holy. So, be holy as I am holy, God says that. When we love, then we accomplish that. While the other notions of holiness contribute something of value to our general understanding they help us to grasp a little bit about what it is because holiness is an abstract concept in fact holiness is in that part of the brain that is hard for us to vocalize i did a whole study on that once the limbic system of your brain is like when you have a gut feeling that gut feeling is that part of your brain that you can't vocalize somebody says well why do you want to go this way i don't know i just got a gut feeling right you've all had that it's hard to vocalize that because that's in a part of your brain that is not connected to vocal so holiness is kind of the same way it's it's hard for us to vocalize exactly what it means to be holy but when you fall madly and deeply in love with god you might not be able to vocalize what that is or why it feels this way or why it causes you to behave a certain way we just know it does i'm going to close with this scripture in colossians colossians chapter 3 and the band's going to come up in just a minute but this wraps it up well i think colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14 therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion with kindness with humility with gentleness and patience Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's where we're at. That's the core. Put on love, which binds all of these things together in perfect unity. If we want to know what holiness is, if we want to know what this great pursuit of a relationship with Christ is, it is born out of love. His love for us causes, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, causes a reciprocal response of love from us for Him. So you you can see why I am enamored with this idea of love. I just love that God has love for me that god has grace for me that he has a this grace is undeserved love and favor i've done nothing to deserve it and yet he loves me anyway i love that and so as i pursue this righteous life It's not the pursuit of righteousness. It's not the pursuit of purity. It's not the pursuit of sanctification. It is the pursuit of love. And out of love comes everything that we're talking about. Let's pray. God, this morning we are so grateful, eternally grateful for what you have done for us. Thank you for loving us. What a tremendous benefit we have of you loving us so that we can love others so that we can understand what holiness is and now i realize that in the beginning today probably felt like we jumped into the deep end but we just need to understand that all of these other ideas of holiness are not holiness in themselves they help us understand holiness But as we build relationship with our friends and with our families and with our coworkers and and those around us What they're going to see through a relational worldview is the love that comes from us But it can only come from us because you have supplied it So thank you god And I just pray that you would be with us help us to understand that help us to wrap our brains around that and um, Give us love so that we can love others In jesus name. I pray Amen.